Hola y bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de la mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito San Dieguito, a.k.a. Bobby Barrels, a.k.a. Bobby Ball. Not with us today, but job or no job. He figured out he has a job now. Dead or alive, we properly salute our boy. Yes, 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 yes. Whoo. Remember this, folks? When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, class, that's right, we're fucking useless. Today we are... Sponsored, of course, by 818 Tequila. Looks like somebody needs a refill here pretty shortly. Uh, tequila Reposado 100% Agave Azul. Handcrafted small batch in Jalisco, Mexico. Yoda's been uh, taking a few pulls off that. And, of course, we're also sponsored by, bam, KT Tape. Here's a little skin prep wipe. The Pro Oxygen Tape. This is the good shit. This is the stuff that really gets the blood flowing to the area. So if you have any issues, and lately I don't want to call them issues, but just sore spots, right? This morning my hammy was barking a little bit. I, I, there's no other way to put this. I've been slaughtering it out on the fucking pickleball court. Seriously. I just, hey, I'm calling a spade a spade. Went through a rough patch as I, I tried to learn the game. Got a little too cocky. Got knocked down a couple levels. But incredible performance uh, yesterday. Absolutely took it to my 12-year-old kid and let him know about it. But I woke up, the right hammy. So I'm going to fire some of this oxygen tape on there. Get that blood flowing ASAP so I can get back out there and kick his ass again. Uh, if you're a ultra runner, and I know Giuseppe Pepe Manuele, I got a feeling you're going to get into these uh, ultra runs here shortly, buddy. Blister prevention. Or if you just walk a lot, take Coda out, whatever it takes, put it on your heel. Uh, there's other areas where you can actually, you can even put it on your finger. And then... Of course, we like to keep our package nice and tight, nice and free, flowing, and, of course, chief free. So there it is. Put some of that on, and it'll keep things nice and lubricated. So today, I mean, what a day in sports yesterday. Really was. It was uh, – it's probably my favorite time of year. You have – the NFL just kicking off. You have NC2A football kicking off. So you have these hopes and dreams of what your team can do. Now, I'm a little less of a specific team fan other than I root for UCLA, obviously. I grew up rooting for Notre Dame, so I'll root for them. I have a keen interest in Stanford. I have a keen interest in San Jose State because I have friends of mine that are involved with the program, including head coach Brett Brennan at San Jose State and then director of football operations, Matt Doyle at Stanford. There's a couple of name drops for you. Uh, but I also am just a, a fan of the sport. And so when you talk about a game like last night in professional football, I grew up loving the Niners. The Buffalo Bills are, are that's our team. There's no doubt about it. We're fucking Bills fans. In this house, it's it's pretty cool. Biscuit is, he's more diehard than I am. I, I think he can name damn near the entire roster. So that's really cool. But last night, we had the Chiefs and the Lions playing. Now, for years now, I've been a huge Dan Campbell guy. I, ever since he took the job, and if you just listen, I, I remember listening to one of his pregame speeches. And it was like, oh, yes. This is exactly 
what the Detroit Lions need. So coming off a fantastic second half of the season, and then I was looking at the odds of the Lions making the playoffs this year. It was damn near 70%. So going into Arrowhead yesterday, facing the Chiefs, who you kind of figure there's a potential letdown there. And typically, if you take the Super Bowl champs and you bet against them in the second game of the year, that's the one where you really want to get them. Now, I don't know if this is going to be the case with the Chiefs. Their problem was just catching the fucking football. I, that was that was bad. Now, you almost felt sorry for the guy unless you had the Lions and you just didn't give a shit. I mean, NFL is a ruthless world. But this Tony character, and I guess he missed a good portion of the preseason, and so maybe that had something to do with it. But I did start thinking about it in the terms of train hard to play easy and what you could do as a wide receiver if you're having an issue catching the football. And it'd be the same sort of thing as like batting practice where if you just take like one of those jug guns that spits the football out at damn near 100 miles per hour, then all of a sudden you get in the game, this just could be easy. But I get it. You've seen some of the best receivers in the history of the NFL go through these drop spells. But that literally cost him the game last night. And Biscuit has Mahomes on his fantasy team. So he was especially upset. Giuseppe Pepe Manuel, if you pay attention to Pepe's parlays, he had a teaser with the Detroit Lions. Excuse me, it was a Kansas City Chiefs plus one and a half. So he bought six points. And then he had the over, excuse me, the under shoot up to 59. The under was never in question. So great call there. The Lions play, on the other hand, was a little more dicey. But look, they end up, excuse me, the Chiefs end up covering that plus one and a half. They lost by... One, I really believe that the Lions are legit. I, the running game was like, the Chiefs couldn't fucking stop them. They could not stop. They were handing the ball off to uh, the running back. And he, I mean, he was getting, it felt like four or five yards. They were carrying contact at two, three yards. And then they're not getting them down till like five. So anyhow, let's get into the daily hustle for today. We got beagreatteacher.com. We're going to hit. Some eight non-negotiables to living a happy life. We'll get into the Lions upset victory a little more, get Dan Campbell's comments on that. And then it was Coco Goff advancing at the U.S. Open despite protests that were happening. Uh, some idiot glued his feet to the fucking cement. Can't make this shit up. And then U.S. hoops, by the way, we're breaking news here on the Daily Hustle. They were defeated in a semifinal at the World Cup in the Philippines. Just say what you want. This wasn't the fucking dream team. And this is a Henry Markin special that you guys can start thinking about right now. Can an NBA or MLB champion, like the winners, whoever wins the NBA championship or the World Series, can they legitimately call themselves world champions? We'll go over the MLB scores, the CBS weekend lineup. Just take a look at that, and then we will ride on out of here with, eh, I don't know, we got James Allen, maybe a little bit craving today, but that's it. BeAGreatTeacher.com, not one of our title sponsors, but we're happy they're back. September 8, 2023, thought of the day. Remember, success is a journey, not a destination. Have faith in your ability. You will do just fine. Bruce Lee. Now, we've heard that phrase before. And he's right. Because every time that I know I've hit a destination in my life, there's been a little bit of a 
letdown. And I think it's only natural as we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the triathlon across America in which I had the police escort thanks to Chief Waters and company and the New York uh, PD triathlon team that escorted me over the George Washington Bridge and into Old Yankee Stadium. It was a special moment. But the success of that journey was not in that final point. It was the process that it took to get there. So my message would be, let's make sure each and every one of us are enjoying the fucking process. I could say this, no filter network's a process. And <laughs> Giuseppe, Pepe, Manuel, and I, we've been grinding at this for a, a few years now. Let's enjoy the journey because we're going to make this thing fucking successful. There's no doubt in my mind. But the only way to do that is to make sure we embrace all of these beautiful moments that we're going through uh, to get there. And so this new partnership with Believe Podcast Network, I'm super excited about the distribution, the eyeballs that we're going to be able to reach uh, as opposed to uh, before. Uh, the development of the technology, like we're super excited about as it continues to just, I, I think, change the game in which we're getting after uh, these podcasts. I, if we're live, we're interactive. Let's see here. I mean, we got the chat firing right now. Good morning to Michelle Drew. I see Pepe on here, by the way. Uh, Pete, yeah, we have a banner. I, I can't see the banner, but apparently the new banner's up there that we're able to uh, put on the screen, which you also can attach a website link to it. So it's great for advertisement and everything else. I believe I put the ericburns.com uh, link attached to that Daily Hustle banner. By the way, just in case you're wondering, if you've ordered a football footboard recently, they're back ordered until the 23rd of September. So just a heads up there. It's going to be a couple weeks. Joke of the day. Why does Humpty Dumpty like camping in autumn? Because Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Random fact of the day. It took the creator of the Rubik's Cube one month to solve the cube after he created it. Journal prompt of the day. Have you ever been too embarrassed to ask a question? What was that question and why? I think we all get embarrassed to ask questions, especially in school. It was always that, you know, having to raise your hand and just awkward moment and everything else. We don't ask enough fucking questions. Kids, actually, especially younger kids, I believe they ask like two to 400 questions a day. And adults are like five to 10. I don't even know if it, the, the number is that high. But obviously would encourage all of us to continue to unlearn what we've learned. At least take that mentality uh, into our lives. Uh, rethink everything. These are some of the messages that I will be delivering at Alpha Core Capital Summit, Wealth Summit, next Thursday in La Jolla. I'm looking forward to that. I've been putting together the presentation. And one of the things is to rethink everything. And the two stories that I'll use and get into, supported with some video, is a 24-hour world record of golf in which essentially – upon a mistake, I created a new way to play and a faster way to play. And then uh, the other one is the Savannah Bananas and how they basically have recreated how baseball is played. I'll go ahead and throw No Filter Network in there too. The way we create podcasts, the way we can make them live, interactive, involving people. People don't necessarily just want to be talked to anymore. People like to be talked with. And so when we can open up the conversation, 
and do that is pretty fucking cool. It's one of the main successes or reasons for the successes of not only No Filter, but Deuces Wild, which is our premier show. So uh, an article I ran across, I guess it was September 7th. So I think just yesterday. Really good. My 95-year-old Japanese grandfather is a former cardiologist. His eight non-negotiables for a happy life. The article reads that the summer I visited my 95-year-old grandfather in his hometown of Osaka, Japan. So this is a blue zone. I read the book. It is one of the places where there's more people that live to be 100 years old than anywhere else in the world. There's like seven different regions of the world. believe I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, It says here, I wanted to spend more time with him and learn about the activities that keep him so healthy and happy. A retired cardiologist, his creative community-driven outlook and purposeful way of living have always inspired me. He's a great example of how to age gracefully. Here are the eight non-negotiables. Number one, he takes an early morning walk. My grandparents are early risers by 5 a.m. They've already begun their morning stroll. They usually walk for 30 minutes to an hour and get in at least 7,000 steps. I love that they're counting steps. Whether they're hiking mountainous trails to the Manoa Falls or doing laps around the Akita neighborhood, my grandparents use their walks to start their days from a place of strength. All right. Look, this isn't by accident that... You watch people who are successful in life, and one of the first things they do in the morning is fucking work out. That's it. I, I had really a really difficult time concentrating in school when I was a kid. And when I got to the sixth grade, Chris Miller, a former Marine, was my PE coach. He was also a former Olympic marathoner. And every single morning, I had zero period PE. So before school started, I had PE. And we would do either one mile, the mini, which was like 1.5 miles, or the maxi, which is 2.4. Every single day, Monday through Friday, there it was, every day PE. And that would kick off all the endorphins in my brain to then go be efficient and effective in class the rest of the day. So even now, even today, even before I come here and do this DH, first thing I do, I get up, I have a cup of coffee, I go through my morning meditation, and then I go outside and I fucking run. Now, it doesn't have to be far. I went two miles this morning, down to the back gate, hit some trails, got a little bit all, had no earbuds in. I've been doing these silent runs recently. Now, Henry did call during the run, and I picked up on the watch. And we went over a few different things, some planning for the show, gave me a f- couple good ideas. But really, if we could start our day like that, it then gives us the confidence. Like I said, confidence is earned yesterday. You gives us the confidence to charge our day. All right. Number two, he does an intentional workout after his walk. He does a tailored workout routine. He starts by stretching and then does a series of strength training and balancing exercises. He carefully chooses different exercises every day on his abilities and needs to ensure he stays active without straining his body. And I think that's the key as we get older is how do we stay active without straining the body? I also think that As you get older, because you will have muscles deteriorate, the key is to figure out what activities you can do to make sure we're working all areas of the body. So recently, paddleboarding has been my thing with the upper body. Now, I'm not swimming at all anymore. And this has replaced the, God, I mean, what an awesome core exercise. So the other one, pickleball. Pickleball, you just have to pick your fights of when you're going to decide the full send going after a ball. But I've been having so much fun with it. And obviously, it's great for the reflexes. 
It's good for the just you know, moving the upper body and everything else, the quick twitch. The quick twitch is one of the things that as you get older, I do a lot less of where when you're younger and even when I was racing a lot in the endurance world, you got to get those sprints in. Well, pickleball's brought back those short little bursts and it's been a, it's been a joy. So number three, this is a good one. He connects with loved ones on social media. After he completes his workouts, he pulls out his laptop and logs into Facebook and Instagram. He's 90 fucking five. And this guy's scrolling. I love it. Studies have found that social isolation of older adults results in high rates of loneliness, particularly among older men. My grandfather has my grandmother to boost his emotional well-being, but he also maintains strong ties to people in his global community, including his grandchildren in the United States. Number four, he writes a blog. I, I love this guy. Since 2014, he's spent a few minutes almost every day writing his thoughts, experiences, and insights on his blog. It now has well over 1,000 posts. You want a way to continue to train your mind. This is where chat GPT go fuck itself. I don't want chat GPT writing for me. The rewards that I feel from a psychological perspective after writing a daily hustle. That's everything. Uh, that's why we write. That's why I take so much time to focus on that. I was telling Chloe about this last night. Mm. Everything I do is basically on my phone or my devices, right? But if I go and spend two hours on my phone scrolling, trying to look for a video to do an alternative call for no filter, Dude, it gets it gets tough. And I, I start getting lost in the world. Da, 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 da. But if I spend two hours on my phone, two hours on my phone and I'm, and I'm writing, that's totally different. Or even when I'm creating something and doing work on my phone, say creating a video, that feels different too than actually just rolling the scroll. But I think we all should write. Whether you consider yourself a writer or not, do it. Even if you just your own personal thing, you don't have to publish anything. But sit down and just go over some thoughts. Write your thoughts. It's like a diary. I mean, there's a reason why they've existed for thousands and thousands of years. Number five, he creates art. My grandfather's an accomplished artist every day. He sits down and draws his self-portrait as he carefully sketches each line, shading, and detail. He uses the time to get a better understanding of himself. And here are the different paintings and pictures that he's drawn. Very interesting. I don't know if he's drawing himself or he likes drawing old men, but it's pretty cool. Number six, he makes time for new hobbies. During the pandemic, my grandfather started gardening after being inspired by the flowers and plants he saw on walks. And at my grandmother's suggestion, he plant, he started playing the recorder, a woodwind musical instrument because he thought it would help with his breathing and swallowing. Ironically, this iPad that I have here is actually on top of a box drum. And wind instruments <clears throat> Whoo! You want to talk about giving yourself some life? That is it. There's nothing like playing a winner. So that's a pocket didgeridoo. Kowalski got me onto those. Number seven, he takes multiple naps. This is where we differ. All of that exercise, he makes sure to stop and refuel several times through the course of the day to maintain his energy. Number eight, he eats indulgent meals. Ooh. I like that. My grandfather's incredibly active, but he also has a real love for life's pleasures, including savory red beets, cheeses, and drinking fine wines. Well, fucking A, man. Of course he does. So there they are. Seven. Yep, that's it. 
Indulgent Meals is the last one. Just to rehash one more time, the eight non-negotiables for a long, happy life. Early morning walks, intentional workouts, connecting with loved ones, writing, creating art, making time for new hobbies, the napping, and eating indulgent meals. All sound good to me. Okay. Dan Campbell. We talked about him at the opening of the show. No other way to put this. He's a fucking savage. He really is. And the way he coaches has got not only Lions fans inspired, but I I think Lions players. It's one thing if you have this raw, raw coach that resonates with this group or this group, whatever. You got to get your fucking guys to buy in. If your guys don't buy in, none of it matters. But last night, in the you know huge 21-20 victory, it says Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell wasn't surprised by his team's 21-20 victory over Kansas City in the 2023 NFL season opener. Campbell told reporters after the win, he, quote, didn't learn anything about his team, but rather got verification on what I already knew about them. Quote, it's already a resilient team, and we added pieces to that resilient team. So we're built to handle some stuff. And we did that today against a very good opponent. This was similar to the message Campbell delivered to his team in the locker room after beating the reigning Super Bowl champs. The Lions showed their resilience by outscoring Kansas City 14 to 6 in the second half. They put together a nine play, 75 yard drive midway through the fourth quarter that was capped off by David Montgomery's eight yard touchdown run. They couldn't stop them. They really could. I mean, I felt like the Lions could have shoved it down their throats start to finish. Kansas City's seven drives in the second half ended up in three punts, two field goals, and a pick six, as well as a turnover on downs. Some of the Chiefs' offensive woes can be attributed to the receivers not reeling in catchable passes from Mahomes. Four drops in the second half, including three from Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Rough, rough night. For that guy. Hopefully he comes back. I mean, it looks like a badass. Like, Tony, I mean, there's the way he moves, a route running, everything else. Just got to teach him how to catch the fucking football. Uh, this wasn't a perfect performance for the Lions, but they made enough plays and caught enough breaks to steal a road win against one of the team's favorite to win the Super Bowl. Now, Campbell has figured out a lot of things with the Lions since midway through the 2022 season. They have won eight of their past 10 games after starting one and six last season. Their last two wins have come on the road at Lambeau Field and Arrowhead. Detroit will look to for its first 2-0 start since 2019. They take on the Seahawks at home on September 17th. Lions are for real. They are definitely, say, a playoff contender. I don't, you know, the question becomes, could a team like this win a Super Bowl? Fuck, I don't see why not. Okay, Coco Goff advances despite protests. Four takeaways from a bizarre U.S. Open semifinal. A protest that delayed play for 49 minutes, six match points before victory. It was a weird and wild night, but here's what we can take away from it as Coco heads into her first U.S. Open final. With a straight sets win over Carolina Muchova of the Czech Republic Thursday night, Coco Goff becomes the youngest American player to reach the U.S. Open Finals in 17-year-old Serena Williams in 1999. But that does little justice to describe the wacky night Goff endured for a shot at winning her first major title on Saturday. There was a shoeless protester a 49-minute delay, and a 40-shot rally. How cool is that? Quote, it was a lot of emotional challenges, Goff said, but I think I did a good job of staying focused. i just really, just really proud of myself today. Here are the four takeaways from a bizarre night. All right. It says golf can handle distractions. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. 
I mean, it says, she said, I, I told myself trust in the moment and you can't take back mistakes. God said I was trying to focus on my side and accept all the good balls she hit. I mean, golf's a trip. If you start looking at her, some of her, some of her, like, her quotes and some of the things she says, she was saying that she actually had a premonition about environmental protesters when she woke up that morning. Think about that. That's wild. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, it was at the bottom of the article. I said she, she might be omniscient. Goff said she woke up Thursday morning and had a premonition. Quote, the crazy thing is I had this thought. I told myself, I bet there's going to be climate change, a climate change protest in the final. When it happened, I knew. I told the ref it was a protest. I don't know. Something this morning told me it would happen this weekend. It happened at the French Open and at Wimbledon. And nothing had happened yet at the U.S. Open. So I thought maybe the trend would continue. Okay, so that makes sense. She's not just coming up with this sort of premonition out of nowhere. But, of course, she supports, you know, I think we all, you're a fucking idiot if you don't support climate protection and realize that there's definitely something going on. But you are an idiot if you decide to use the U.S. Open as a venue to glue your feet to the cement. I mean, how fucking moronic is that? What are you thinking? What's that actually proving to? If anything, you're going to fuck the cement up, meaning that they're going to have to replace the cement and you're just causing more damage to the environment. So, people, if you want to protest, great. I'm all about it. I think it's really important to draw attention to all of the different issues that we have going on in this world. And climate change is towards the very top of that list. But why the fuck are we picking the U.S. Open to have this championing of getting rid of fossil fuels? When was the U.S. Open burning fossil fuels to such a wild extent? Like, why wouldn't you go to a gosh damn coal factory? I, I, I don't know. Maybe head to the local Chevron station. Is it because the cameras aren't there? Bring your own cameras. Whatever. It just doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense to me. So a wacky, wacky night at the U.S. Open. And then later in the night, and I watched this, it was Keys, uh, the other American that was vying for a spot in the U.S. Open final, but she went down to the chick from Belarus. And I only know that because she doesn't have a flag by her name. And, you know, Biscuit was really intrigued. Like, why is there no flag? Well, I don't know. Let's look her up. And she's from Belarus. So apparently, the United States, I imagine Belarus has ties with Russia. And because of that, she wants nothing to do with, or excuse me, the, the whole tennis association wants nothing to do with what's going on there. So they've, they've left their flags off it. But she ended up going down. So it's going to be fun to see Goff in the finals. It should be a hell of a match. All right. Moving on here, the next one we had was the Team USA shocked by Germany in the Basketball World Cup semifinal. I didn't really know this was a thing, but probably the same way a non-baseball fan is going to be like, dude, is the World Baseball Classic a thing? Well, it was, to me, I'm a baseball fan. To somebody who's a casual basketball fan like I am, hmm. How much am I intrigued with this? Not at all. But Team USA is Team USA. And sure as shit, they went down 113-111 to Germany in the semifinal. 
that was considered an overwhelming favorite to win the World Cup. And they took a very strong team to the Philippines where this thing was played. It says, however, following a disappointing performance, the U.S. was the victim of a huge upset. As expected, the semifinal match got off to a tight start. Neither team was able to take control throughout the opening two quarters with the U.S. taking a slight 60-59 lead at halftime. However, the third quarter saw the tide change and Germany seized its opportunity, catching the U.S. sleeping. Following the break, Germany outscored the U.S. 35-24 in the third quarter, took a crucial 10-point lead in the final 10 minutes of the semifinal clash. The U.S. team was led by Anthony Edwards. I believe he's with the T-Wolves. And Austin Reeves, who uh, went to Wichita State and is with the Lakers. Team USA rallied in the fourth and final quarter. And it just proved to be too little too late. So the U.S. goes down. They have to realize that you're going to get everybody's best. And I don't just mean like best players. Of course, you're at the fucking World Cup. Do you think Germany's putting together a bunch of slouches to go play there? When you're representing the United States and you have that U.S. across your chest, it matters. And it's different. In my experience, even watching the 12U USA team go down to Mexico and play against some of the very best teams in the world, it was shocking in some respects to see how passionate the other teams were when it came to competing against the United States. 100%, we have a fucking bullseye on our back. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. We are viewed upon as world leaders. We're viewed upon as having some of the greatest athletes in the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of countries that take tremendous pride in not only just competing against the United States, but when they're able to upset us. So if you're the Germany basketball team and you're going into this thing, you're like, how are we going to beat them? You're playing against some of the better players in the NBA. Well, it's simple. You play as a team. You hope that the United States players are not, quote unquote, two feet in. And that was one of the things that they talked to the U.S. 12U players and the parents about before going down there is that everyone's going to be gunning for you. But we have to be two feet in, complete and total commitment to the mission, doing whatever it is that you can do to help your team win, staying ready at any and all times. That was awesome. And I'm just venturing to say that the U.S. team was probably not two feet in. So it brings up the Henry Markin special question. World champs. What exactly does that mean? Because in the NBA, they're world champions. MLB, world champions. Super Bowl, they call them Super Bowl champs, but fuck. I mean, the world champions, right? What does it actually mean to be world champs? And can you claim that when we're just talking about a league that is played only in the United States? Especially now when you look at it and our basketball team just got taken down in the World Cup. Our baseball team lost in the finals to Japan. Well, I would say that, yes, you can claim world champions. And the reason being is that the NBA, MLB, even the NFL don't discriminate from where you're from. 
They don't give a shit if you're from Antarctica. If you can play, you can play. Now, there's areas of the world that obviously foster baseball players, basketball players, football players, whatever. But the ultimate destination of where you're going to play professionally in basketball is the NBA. In baseball, it's Major League Baseball. In football, it's the NFL. In soccer, it's not MLS. This is where there's zero chance an MLS team could claim that. But in the NHL, same fucking thing. The NHL is the number one league, the number one destination where players from all around the world want to get to. So long as that is the case, then in my humble opinion, you legitimately could say, bam, we're world champs. Now, what does it mean on an Olympic stage? What does it mean on a World Cup stage, on a World Baseball Classic stage? Those are all-star teams. That's it. They're all-star teams. It's not a bad thing. Japan proved to be the number one baseball team in the world at the highest level. Now, what would that look like if the United States and Japan played a seven-game series? What if they played a nine-game series like we did in pickleball yesterday? That's when you're going to get the real winner. When you play a 162-game season, that's the beauty of baseball. By the time you get done with that ultra marathon of a season, you know who the fucking best teams are. You can't hide. Remember how hot the Pittsburgh Pirates were to start the year? Everyone thought, oh, hey, it's the Pirates year. Uh-uh. The cream, as my mom used to always say, good morning, mom, will always rise to the top. All right, let's hit the MLB scores from yesterday. We'll take a look at what's going on today as well. But Thursday, there was one, two, three, four, five, six. There were six games on Thursday. It was Seattle one nothing over Tampa. Holy shit. Luis Castillo and the bullpen combined to hold the potent race scoreless. Like, that's hard to do. That is not easy. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, my guy, Canzoni, whether that's how you pronounce his name or not, who gives a shit? Canzoni made a sick play. Let's see if I can get this for you guys. All right. Check this out. Uh, see ya! Yeah. He caught it. And they have that short fence. And he goes flipping over. So he caught it first. So the catch wasn't remarkable. But then the flip and then the guy grabs his ass. Like literally it looks like he's checking his oil. Really kind of. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's just trying to keep him from completely falling in. But a big win for the Mariners who are trying to hold on that in that AL West race. It was the Dodgers 10-0 over the Marlins. You kind of had a feeling that that was going to happen. The Marlins got the first two games of that series. Chris Taylor, a three-run homer. And then Ryan Pepia. This guy was dominant. He went six and two-thirds of perfection last night in Miami after they had pounded the Dodgers staff before that in the first two games. Ahmed Rosario, a two-run single. And then Freddie Freeman, an RBI double that the ball boy, say that ball boy, I'm mean, a ball man. Guy was all tatted up. Double down the line, the fucking guy picks it up. Chucks in the stands. Look, is it that big of a deal? They replaced him. You don't have to fucking replace him. Like, I, the guy made a mistake. He obviously unintentionally uh, did it. Made a nice play, tossed it up in the stands. Now, it happened to be Freddie Freeman's 52nd double of the year, which tied a franchise record for the Dodgers. So that ball is 
well, who knows where now. Uh, Tigers 10-3 over the Yankees. Just when I was giving the Yankees all kinds of love, Henry made a terrific video about it from yesterday's DH. They get their asses kicked. Spencer Torkelson, a two-homer game. Look, I cannot emphasize this enough. Andrew Vaughn, who went to Cal, was, I think, what, the second or third pick overall a few years back, killing it for the White Sox on the verge of 20 homers. And then Spencer Torkelson, who was the number one pick out of Arizona State, he's a Northern California guy, huge friends of the program. Uh, it's the very big supporters of the Daily Hustle. So we are big supporters of them. He's having himself a nice fucking year for the Tigers. Glaber Torres uh, hit a solo homer his 25th of the year. And then Andy Abanez, a two-run homer, his 10th for the Tigers. But the Yanks, again, are back at 500. So keep an eye on that. It's going to be a little bit of a, not a little bit. I, I, I think it's a big storyline. Again, as I mentioned yesterday, I don't, I don't, it's never been done in the history of sports that I can think of unless someone wants to inform me where it has or when it has. But there are 30 consecutive years of having winning seasons. Atlanta, 8 5 over St. Louis yesterday. Uh, Ronald Cunha, two home runs. So he's trying to get to 40. Yeah, I mean, he's getting closer. Michael Harris, a big night for the Braves as well. Matt Olson, ready for this? His 47th homer of the year, and Eddie Rosario, a two-run single. Travis Darno, a two-run homer as well for the Bravos. Arizona, a big win in Chicago. And Jordan Lawler, his first career hit. Let's kick and fucking play. Shortstop, number 10 prospect overall in Major League Baseball. This kid is legit. Tommy Pham had two home runs last night. He's quietly put together a nice year. Dansby Swanson, RBI single. So the Cubs go down as big because the Diamondbacks are chasing the Cubs for that spot right in front of them. Uh, Diamondbacks are 73 and 68. The Cubs 76 and 65 now. And then in uh, the next game here, pretty much has turned into a blast. A couple of underperforming teams. The Angels beat the Indians 3-2. A full slate of games today. It's Arizona-Chicago against St. Louis at Cincinnati. Seattle at Tampa. The White Sox at Detroit. The Dodgers at Washington. Miami at Philly. Milwaukee at New York. That's the Yankees. KC at Toronto. Baltimore goes to Boston. Pittsburgh at Atlanta. The A's at Texas. Texas needs to get right. The time is now for them to get their shit together. They're on the outside looking in currently, but this is a team that I'm wholeheartedly rooting for. So they're going to have to do what they can to beat up on the lowly A's and ideally go for the sweep there. San Diego is at Houston. The Mets are in Minnesota. Cleveland's at the Angels again. And then Colorado is taking on the San Francisco Giants. The football score from last night, obviously 21-20 with the Chiefs. Now today, we have NC2A football. It's Indiana State of Indiana. So, Henry, Indiana's minus 30 and a half against Indiana State. Larry Bird's Indiana State, that is, too. Minus 30 and a half. Is Indiana that good? They should be fucking minus 30 and a half against anybody. Seriously? Then we got Stony Brook at Rhode Island. Barton at Davidson. And Illinois at Kansas. Kansas is minus three and a half of that one. Both of them are one and oh. Tomorrow, the big games, well, starting with my two favorites. Of course, because they're at the top of the list. This Notre Dame is at NC State. NC State's plus seven and a half of that one. And then UCLA goes on the road to San Diego State. And it's San Diego State plus 14. So UCLA is going to have to cover a couple 
touchdowns there to make their backers happy. Uh, other games of interest, I guess we go go to the top 20. You got Georgia is at home minus 42, 42 point favorites against Ball State. And let's see some other top 10 action. Penn State is at home against Delaware. There's not even a fucking line on that one. I mean, why all the cupcakes? Utah goes on the road. There's eight-point favorites at Baylor. Kansas State, 15th-ranked team in the country, is minus 16.5 against Troy. Colorado, this is the one that everybody's talking about. Apparently, there's more action on this game than any other NFL game. Colorado, now the 22nd-ranked team in the country, at home, taking on Nebraska. Oh, fuck, man. I'm all over the bus. You got to be, right? You absolutely have to be. I would be willing to drop a pretty significant number and be okay to lose it. It's essentially like betting the no pass line if you're going to bet against Colorado. And I don't know how or why you would not believe. But Deion Sanders essentially is making a believer out of everybody. I they're like they're 20 point dogs last week. Nebraska's 0-1. This isn't the same Nebraska team that we grew up watching, man. I mean, this is I, I know they, they're they're a little bit better than they have been, but Colorado's for real. Their offense is for real. They're gonna give up points. The OU in this one's 58, so that's probably. A little low. The weather says 85 degrees and thunder showers. I don't know exactly if that is going to be the case or not. But this is the game of the week. And it is going to take place, let's see, 9 a.m. It's awfully early. 9 a.m. tomorrow. I'm all over it. Simple as that. I got a pickleball lesson at 10. I guess we go 10 to 11, so I should be able to potentially see the end of that one. All right, uh, weather. We can't forget that as we roll on into the weekend. Again, if you want your own personalized weather report, we got it for you. Reach out through social media, whatever. JD, John Davis, I see you on here. Call your boat, Tennessee. We're going to have to look that one up for you. But currently in Truckee, I not just don't rely on the iPad in front of me. Got the lacrosse weather system right here. It's 68 degrees right now. High of 76. Low of 37. It's amazing. Because when I went running this morning, right before I came on here, it had to been in the 30s. And it, it's almost increased. Yeah, 68. Jeez. Like 30 degrees, just like that. Half Moon Bay, California, Sepe Pepe Manuele, 57 degrees, partly cloudy, high of 67, low of 50. New York, Chief Waters, 87 degrees, partly cloudy, high of 89. Phoenix, Arizona, Michelle Drew, good morning, Michelle. Excessive heat warning. Well, fuck, of course it is. 93 degrees, high of 109. Auburn, Montgomery's, Ponterolos, 75 degrees. For the Griffins as well, high of 89. It's a nice day out there. Duluth, Minnesota, good morning, Gene. 62 degrees, high of 68, low of 53. How about Amo in Chattanooga, Tennessee? Partly cloudy, 78 degrees, high of 85. San Mateo, California, Gary Tagliafico. Long live the Peninsula Mets. I don't know where the fuck you've been. But Here's your weather report still. You asked for it. 62 degrees, high of 75, low of 53, mostly sunny. Gorgeous day out on the peninsula. Michael in Las Vegas, Nevada, 85 degrees, high of 101, low of 73. How about Savannah, Georgia, land of the Plotnos? 87 degrees, high of 88, low of 72. Fresno, California, the Matoyan brothers, 77 degrees, high of 98. Neckersfield, otherwise known as Bakersfield, 77 degrees, high of 98 as well. Stephen Luker in Hemet, California, 82 degrees, high of 98. 
pretty similar, all those. So you get in the Central Valley and on into Southern California. John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson, and Makati City. We're international once again, motherfuckers. 78 degrees, high of 91, low of 78. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, it's the Dunkin' Dad, 86 degrees, low of 70. Montgomery, Alabama, home of the Biscuits, 84 degrees, high of 89. Germantown, my brother from another mother. Good morning, Jesse. 62 degrees, high of 68, low of 55. Orchard Park, New York. Upstate New York to the Busey Brothers, Pat O'Connell. 68 degrees, high of 71. I know it was hot yesterday. It looks like it's definitely cooled off. How about South Haven, Mississippi? 64 degrees, high of 68, low of 60. So cool in the south too, huh? Boise, Idaho, it's RJ. 71 degrees, high of 83, low of 59. And I got Lucas, Texas on here for Pop Art out there in Grayford. 99 degrees, high of 106, low of 80. We have excessive heat warnings. It's been fucking hot in Texas. Huh. So uh, that is the personalized local weather report that you simply will not get anywhere else. Look out for Hurricane Lee. This fucker's coming. And he's packing a punch. He turned into a Category 5 storm. And is expected to potentially make landfall next week. So what exactly that's going to mean for the eastern part of the United States, I don't know. But it's saying Hurricane Lee's historic intensification skyrockets. Storm to rare strength. Oh, man. Although Lee's current intensity is lower than the overnight peak, the hurricane remains very powerful. Lee, which was a Category 1 Thursday, intensified with an exceptional speed and warm ocean waters, doubling its wind speed in just a day. Let's see here. The monstrous hurricane struck Haiti in 2016, killing hundreds in the Caribbean nation while also wreaking havoc on parts of the U.S. Southeast. They're saying that the Hurricane Matthew uh, was the last one to intensify that quick. So when it comes to this, and it looks like there's a chance it actually misses it. It says, how close will Hurricane Lee get to the United States? That's all anyone really wants to know. Computer models trends for Lee have shown the hurricane taking a turn north early next week. But exactly when that turn occurs and how far west Lee will manage to track by then will play a huge role in how close it gets to the United States. Several steering factors uh, are going to contribute to that. So everyone stay safe out there. We'll keep you updated on Hurricane Lee, which is coming in hot. All right. We'll finish this thing off with a little great quotes from great leaders. There's a book my dad actually got me. Really cool inscription here. It says, Eric, toward greater success and enjoyment. Dad. So, for those who don't know, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. But you want to talk about leaving some golden nuggets of wisdom. Uh, this book in itself is just fantastic. And then the other thing my dad said, he said, there's two things I can give you that no, nobody can ever take away. Education and experience. And that's it. And he said, that's all I've ever tried to give you and your sister, which is one of the coolest things. Okay, let's roll with... Let's see here. There's one little George Washington. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? Labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. A slender acquaintance with the world must convince every man that actions, not words, are the true criterion 
of the on that one everyone have a fantastic weekend we're back on monday enjoy the first weekend of the nfl season major league baseball all over the board college football the irish and the bruins in action tomorrow and don't be afraid to get out there and I don't know. Try something you never tried before. Go play some pickle. And don't forget your KT tape. Chafe safe. Keep that package nice and neat. That's it. See ya!